May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, it was wonderful yesterday evening to be at the, um, at the Excel Centre in London at the uh, God Loves You event, um, where Franklin Graham was the speaker. And uh, it was about 10,000 or so people there, maybe slightly more, and uh, a good number of people, including some among our own, um, our own church community, went up to the front to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It was absolutely wonderful um, evening. And uh, we give God the praise, and it illustrates that event. When, when, um, when originally this tour was booked back in 2021 or whenever it was, um, five venues, because of very standard Christian views that the speaker held, um, cancelled him. And yet this has now gone ahead. It happened last year. It was able to happen. And again this year. Jesus' mission, when he wants something to happen, it cannot fail. It will not fail. Could I have some slides up, please, on the screen? Jesus' mission will not fail. But, there's sometimes a heck of a lot of opposition on the way. My word, there is a lot of opposition. Let me, a few, two names that, um, that every, all Christians, particularly in this country, should know. They're great names of our Christian history. Um, John Wesley, a great preacher of the, uh, of the 18th century, who traveled the equivalent of many times around the world on horseback, preaching the gospel all over England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, and America, and uh, John Wesley. He, in a letter to um, another great name, William Wilberforce. Do you know the name of William Wilberforce? Again, if you don't, it's one to look up. William Wilberforce, who was the leader in Parliament of the campaign to abolish the transatlantic slave trade. Did you know that the last letter John Wesley wrote was to William Wilberforce? to encourage him in his, in his goals. Let me read let, let the, some of this letters on the screen here. Let's, here it is. I don't know whether you can read that. I'll read it to you. So this is John Wesley, so William Wilberforce, the last letter he wrote from Wesley's deathbed. Unless God has raised you up for this very thing, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. In other words... <laughs> If God has not appointed you to this task, if this is not God's mission, you will be ground into the dust. It's true. The commercial interests against that abolition, the political interests against it were overwhelming. If God had not been in that, Wilberforce could not possibly have done it. I love that phrase. If God has not raised you up for this very purpose, you will be worn out by the opposition of men and devils. And that's the reality of the mission of Jesus Christ. And yet, Jesus' mission will not and cannot fail. Look how Wesley goes on in his letter. He says, But if God be for you, who can be against you? Or uh, are all of them together stronger than God? Oh, be not weary of well-doing. Go on in the name of God and in the power of his might till even American slavery, the vilest that ever saw the sun, shall vanish away before it. Well, there it is. If it's Jesus' mission, if a thing is Jesus' mission, it will not fail. And that is what we learn 
in the Acts of the Apostles, and particularly in the last great sweep of the Acts of the Apostles. We've been looking at Acts over the summer, and we started, and um, we've been looking at some Acts blockbusters. That is, the kind of stories that, if you were to make a film about them, would stretch the special effects budget. So, <clears throat> in chapter 2, we've got the moment um, when the Holy Spirit arrives and symbolized by flames of fire on the heads of the disciples and the rushing wind. And then we moved on to the conversion of Saul, who became St. Paul, the great preacher. We're going to be talking a lot about him today. And in that event, a blinding light from, from heaven reveals Jesus in risen power to Paul, and he's converted on the road to Damascus. And then we have that great, we, 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 we remember we did the earthquake in Philippi, which shook the jail, and there was that great jail break in the middle of the night, and the conversion of the jailer. And then, last week, we had the riot in Ephesus, and uh, where, where the, they all shouted in the temple, in, the, in the, um, the, the theater at Ephesus, gracious Artemis of the Ephesians, and there was all public disorder on a massive scale. Well, today, <coughs> we're talking about shipwreck. Shipwreck. Because Paul, we join him, really, I'm going to take the whole sweep of the book of Acts, Paul is in Jerusalem. And look at this, isn't it a coincidence? Look, we've got a perfect Jerusalem here. Palm trees, all these, these um, buildings. Paul, but if any children want to come, I know Reggie and Stanley are here, and they're great, they're usually great sport uh, helping me. There aren't so many children in church this morning, but if you want to come to the front, you can help me very much. So there they are in Jerusalem. Paul is in Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem, his old friends there, hate the fact that he has come to trust in Jesus. They hate it because Paul has been preaching not just to Jewish people. Alicia, you come up as well. They've been preaching not just to Jewish people, but to non-Jews as well. Come to Jerusalem. Come with me to Jerusalem. So here we are. This morning, we've actually got a sort of a triune Paul. So the three of you together are going to be Paul. Okay. Well, you're not, well you're, you're, the three of you together are going to be Paul. I know your name's not Paul. Yes, I'm aware of that. But we just, we're going to have to use, we're going to have to use a thing, a wonderful thing. It's one of the best things God's given us. It's called imagination. So we're going to have to imagine that the three of you are, are, are Paul. Okay, so yeah, you are in Jerusalem. Now, the people in Jerusalem hate the fact that Paul is preaching about Jesus. And so four times, ladies and gentlemen, they try to kill him. Twice by just sheer mob violence, and twice by quite carefully calculated political attempts to pressure the Roman authorities to hand Paul back over to send him to Jerusalem and to ambush him on the way. So four separate attempts to take his life in Jerusalem, and each time, actually, Paul comes through. We'll come back to that in a moment, because you see, Jesus' mission cannot fail. But what we're about to find out is that even though Jesus' mission cannot fail, yet sometimes the path of his followers does not run smooth. His servants can be knocked way off course, so it seems. So, the question was, how is Paul going to get where he knows he needs to go? Now, the question is, where does he know he needs to go? The answer to that question is, just, just turn, if you've got your Bibles there, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. It's on page, um, here's my Bible, I've got a thing on it. It's on page 1194. 1194. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 gives us basically the plan for Jesus' mission in the book of Acts. 
and it's still the plan, actually. It's still going on. Um, so Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's the, that's the verse that gives you the key to the book of Acts. Jesus says to his disciples, this is after Jesus has ascended, he says, um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, that is, you'll go and testify, you'll tell everybody what you've seen of me, where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So, so far in the book of Acts, the gospel has been going out. It started in Jerusalem. It's gone out into what is now modern-day Turkey, even Greece. It's reached that far. Yeah, actually, we know it's gone in the other direction as well, up into, um, into the, the, the Persia and all of that, what was then Persia, and also into Africa. But following it towards Europe, it's got a long way. But it needed to get... And Paul knew it was going to get to the capital of the ends of the earth. Where was the capital of the ends of the earth in those days? I'll tell you where it was. It was in a place, a little place, a relatively little place called Rome. <laughs> Rome was not a little place. Rome was the city. Yeah, gladiators and anything else you know about Rome? You learned it at school. Okay, so you did gladiators. And all sorts of things. Well, look, they say Rome wasn't built in a day. That's absolutely true. It was built in about 20 minutes before church today. Here we are. This is Rome. You, you know, you're not in Rome because you're Paul. You're in Jerusalem. I'm just going to pop over to Rome. I'll be back in a minute. So here we are in Rome. By the way, you may have noticed in the news that some stuff's gone missing from the British Museum. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. The Elgin marbles are not in the vicarage garage. And these did not come from the British Museum. Believe it or not, because I know they're very authentic. So we have here Rome, the city of senators and gladiators and government and power and imperial might and Paul and, and of the, the, the emperor, the Caesar of Rome. And Paul knows because Jesus has told him that he must testify and preach in Rome. The question is, how on earth is he going to get from Jerusalem, where he is now a prisoner, because the Romans have him prisoner. How is he going to get from Rome to, uh, from Jerusalem to Rome? And the answer is that he uses the fact that he is a Roman citizen, and he says he has therefore has the right to take his case to Caesar and have Caesar hear his case. And so that's what he does. He appeals to Caesar, says, I will want my case heard by Caesar. And as soon as he says that, the local Roman governor has to send him to Rome. Right, can we have a map up? I think we've got a map on the screen. Let's just have a look at the geography of all of this. And I'll get my little pointer. So he has to get to Rome. Where's my pointer gone? There it is. Right, so we've got, where have we gone? You see my little red pointer? There's Jerusalem. It's a laser, a cat laser. That's right. So it's trying to enter its eyes. So Paul has to get from there, and Rome is there. Oh my! Okay, so we get you get that boat, and go, can everyone see? There's a little boat down there. That's right. He has to go. You have to go by boat. You wouldn't go over all the way over land. Um, so. It's a long way to swim. That's a, I don't know how many. It's probably at least a thousand miles, probably more. So it's a long way. So what happens is 
Paul gets in a boat. Shall I show you the route he took? They went up the coast, stopped off at, at Sidon, then went up there. They sailed along the underbelly here of, um, of, of, uh, who's between Cyprus and what is now southern Turkey. They stopped there, Lycia. And then they, got, they, they started here. They thought, right, this is all right. We're getting on fine. And they went down here to Crete. But they had a problem because it was getting close to winter. And so they thought, they thought, right, we need to get, we, we, basically the port they were in wasn't any good for, having, for storing the boat through winter. So they thought we need to get to a better port. And, and Paul said to the captain, Paul was actually quite experienced traveller, he said, I don't think we should be travelling now, I think this is dangerous. But the captain of the boat said, no, no, I think we can go on. We need to get to a better port. So they tried to sail along the southern side of Crete, but while they were sailing there, what happened? Do you know? It wasn't a snowstorm. It doesn't tend to snow there very often. But, I mean, it might snow there sometimes, for all I know. But suddenly, a great wind. Right, jump in that boat. Okay, I'm Do you remember I said that God's people can often get blown off course? Oh, actually, it's probably better to take your shoes off. Could, I just, could you just take your shoes off before you get into that boat? Um, that would be, be lovely. And then, so, lots of things get in the way to try and stop Paul, because even though Jesus' mission cannot fail, this is the first thing we really need to take on board. That doesn't mean that Jesus' servants have an easy time. So, they're in that boat. There they are. Oh, so, they're in the boat. They're just off the southern part of Crete there. And then, suddenly, a great wind from the north, from the northwest, from the northeast, suddenly blows down upon them. A wind of hurricane force. So, let's get a bit of, let's get a bit of wind noise. And it blows the boat completely off course. And for two weeks, for two weeks, they are being driven. And we don't know where they're being driven. What we know is they were worried about being washed up on the sandbanks of Styris, which are here, of Syrtis. So they thought they were somewhere around here. They didn't really know. We don't know where they ended up. But we know they were somewhere around here for two weeks being blown around by the sea. Okay, let me turn that wind off. So the wind blew for two weeks. That's probably quite pleasant, actually, isn't it, with that fan? And they got blown horribly off course. I don't know if you've ever been blown off course for two weeks. If you, I don't, some of you have been cruising. I don't know whether that's ever happened to you on your cruise. But it would be fairly stressful. In fact, they had been in constant suspense for two weeks. And uh, in the middle of all of that, Paul must have been thinking, Lord, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm supposed to testify in Rome. You said I would. What is going on here? How on earth are we going to get out of this alive? Well, in the reading that Daryl read to us just then, we read that they managed to, um, that, 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 uh, that Jesus came to Paul and assured him he said, we're going to stick together on the boat. God's given us our lives, but the boat is going to run aground. And sure enough, when we join them, they're getting close to land. They think we're nearly at land. And just at that moment, as they're all about to get off the boat, the boat lands on this beach, thankfully, because they all thought they were going to get dashed on the rocks. It lands on the beach. The boat's getting broken up by the waves. And at that moment, the soldiers in the boat, because the boat's holding some prisoners, including Paul, the soldiers think, oh, come on, no one's going to know. Let's just finish off these prisoners now and be done with it. So they're about to get Paul and... 
and the centurion finds out of the plan and says, no, don't. So yet, yet another time, Paul must have been thinking, oh no, I, I think we've just about escaped the storm and suddenly the soldiers are about to kill us. No, he's prevented from being, from being killed by them. And they splash up on a beach. Who was listening to the reading? Where do they end up? Malta. There we are, where's Malta? There it is. There it is, Malta, St. Paul's Bay. It's still there today. You can go to it. They went to Malta. Right, so wash up, come out of the boat, because the boat is now... So you come out of here. There you are. You're on Malta now, that little bit there. It's Malta. Yeah, you can look out for all the retired English people sipping G&Ts on the... Yeah, so the boat at this point is in an absolute state. Let's skittle... Let's Not skittle... Scuttle a boat, there we are. So the boat is now a goner, and they're on the island of, of Malta. And Paul's must be thinking, phew, I think we've, we've, we've made it. But then something happens. On Malta, what have you spotted? You spotted a snake. Oh, well, we've, we've dealt with the sword. I'll put the sword out of the way. There is an. Do you know what happened to Paul? He was there, and they were collecting wood for the fire. And as they're collecting wood to, um, to make the, the, um, the, the fire, to keep warm, they've all been shipwrecked, uh, this snake has driven out by the heat um, from the wood that Paul's carrying, jumps up and fastens itself to Paul. And the, all the people, the, all, all, did I say Crete? I can't remember what I said. Malta, all the Maltese locals are going, well... The sea didn't get you, now the snake's got you, you must be a murderer. And they're all thinking Paul's going to keel over and die because of the snake. And Paul must have been thinking, oh, <laughs> this is awful. But then, Paul just went, it was a venomous serpent. And then Paul threw it off into the fire and suffered no ill harm. And the locals, actually, funnily enough, they, they changed their mind. They didn't want to murder her. They said, we think you were God. And so, but what happened? Well, you said it's not even real. What do you mean it's not even real? It, it's a real plastic snake. <laughs> no, it's a real... What do you mean? It's, that is a perfectly... It's not an alive snake. It's just like plastic. But it... Say it's moving. Yeah, but you're, you're moving it. You're too clever for me, you lot. Right. The point is that Paul finally did get to Rome. We'll come back to that in a minute because Jesus' mission won't fail. But let's just think for a moment of the reality. What is it that Wesley said to Wilberforce? He says, unless God has raised you up for this very purpose, you will be worn down by the opposition of men and devils. And Paul must have felt like that. In fact, not just worn down by the opposition of men, but of, well, of the powers of, of darkness at work, trying to destroy the mission of Jesus. The powers of darkness that are trying to destroy the mission of Jesus. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The powers of darkness are at work. And using the forces of nature in this story... And Paul was well aware of it. If Jesus had not been directing that mission, there is not a hope that he would have got to Rome to fulfill that mission. 
And we need to be aware of it, that the cost of Christian ministry, the cost of following Christ even, but particularly the cost of Christian ministry, is, can be very, very, very high. And particularly in parts of the world where that means you... I sometimes walk out the back door of, my ch of the church. It's not my church, it's our church, Jesus' church. But I walk out the back door there. I often remember the, a picture I saw in India when I was there. And in this picture in India, they showed a picture of a man. He was the pastor of the church. And he had left the church after the prayer meeting. And a gang had jumped on him and beaten him as he left the prayer meeting. I often think of that late at night as I open the... It's a slightly morbid thought, but it's a sobering thought. It's an important thought to think, no, there's a cost to following Christ because there is the opposition of men and devils to contend with. So, Jesus' missionaries, his people, his spokespeople particularly, can often feel like they're completely defeated. You know, the, I've known... Um, you may have known people who are serving God in mission in particular parts of the world, and suddenly that country says, visa's not being renewed, you've got to go. Suddenly, years of work, gone. That happens. Or the, think of brothers and sisters in Pakistan. Your church building, gone, burnt down. By the way, there was a smoky smell in Sidcup last night. Did anybody smell smoke last night? It's very strong. I, honestly, we woke up in the night, I said, Katie, said, wake up. Do you smell that? Smoke? Do you just check the house? So I checked there was nothing in the house. I thought, the church might be burning down. I thought, really, I should go up and have a look. And then I thought, nah, if I can really smell the smoke already, probably somebody would have noticed and called me by now. So, I, so I'm afraid I went back to sleep. But that's the reality. The setbacks, again and again, they can happen. But the thing I like about this jacket is that it's reversible. And that's the great pattern. You see, outside, it's this sort of got this nice sort of waterproof shelly thing, and then you can turn it around. It's just a nice blue plain fleece. Very nice, reversible, you see. And that's what happens in the book of Acts. Are you familiar with the reversal pattern in the book of Acts? By the way, have you ever read the book of Acts? If you haven't, then you're, you're, you're robbing yourself. It is the most wonderful read. I can hardly stop reading. When I get to these final chapters, I find it so utterly compelling I can hardly stop reading. The reversal pattern. Every time something goes terribly wrong, it turns out that God's actually working right. Men and devils are working against, that's Wesley's phrase, are working against the purposes of God and the mission of Christ to go from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And yet, continually, Jesus, his mission is not going to fail. It cannot fail. Why? Because when he sends them to the ends of the earth, the point is that he holds all authority in heaven and on earth. And the book of Acts teaches us that he literally does hold sway and authority over the forces, of, uh, of, uh, forces that are seen and unseen. Political, economic, military, natural, supernatural. He holds power over all those forces. And he rules. And he moves who he wants to move. And if he wants to get his servant Paul from Jerusalem 
to testify in Rome to Caesar himself, according to God, uh, the, the, the promise and the, the program that he has set out, nothing can stop the mission. It's wonderful how it happens. And in fact, at every stage, the reversal happens. And so every time they try to kill Paul in Jerusalem, he basically gets another bite of the cherry. That is another opportunity to preach the gospel to a big group of people who desperately need to hear it, or to the, to the rulers and the leaders. And then he gets taken in this boat to, um, across the sea, and it seems that there's a, the, the, the centurion who is in charge of him, his jailer effectively, um, actually becomes a good friend of Paul's, and I don't know whether he ever became a Christian. I, I, I think the, the indication perhaps he did. But anyway, the point is that all those people in the boat are saved because of Paul's presence among them. And, he, and, and in fact, when he gets to Malta um, and he gets bitten by that snake, real snake, he gets bitten by that snake and everyone starts thinking he's a god. Yeah, they're, they're wrong. But it opens the door of ministry to Paul. And in the end, lots of people on the island get healed in the name of Jesus. And finally, he does get to... Rome, and because he had appealed to Caesar, what that means is when he gets to Rome, we can be almost certain that he got to preach the gospel to the emperor of Rome, whose name we think, if all the timing is right, was Nero, who of course went a little bit bonkers later on and hated Christians with a spectacular hatred. And um, so, but that, isn't it extraordinary that God, that Jesus' mission, it will not, cannot fail. It cannot fall. And those two facts are so clearly written into the book of Acts. And they are so clearly written into the experience of believers down the years. So clearly written into the history of the church, and particularly the history of Christian missions. Is that Jesus' purpose will not fail, but Jesus' servants can very often get blown spectacularly off course, and it can look and feel like you are completely flat on your face, defeated, run aground, cut adrift, um, beached, um, and all the rest of it. But you see, all of that, that comes with the territory. But you just say, well, it's just part of, the, part of the deal. Jesus, his purpose, that's the thing that will never, ever fail. And I find that so brilliantly encouraging. I'm going to end with one verse. Just look in the book of Acts. Um, find the last, we started, we, we went, we're at the beginning of the book of Acts. And the uh, very last verse of the book of Acts. Unfortunately, the English translations don't do it don't really do it um, very helpfully. They, a lot of them miss this, um, this uh, that you get in the, in the original Greek much better. We end up with Paul in Rome, and he's under house arrest. So he's in his own house, but he's got a soldier there guarding him. And he's able to have people come and go, and there are lots of people coming um, to hear him. And basically, for two years, uh, well, we can read the last couple of verses of Acts there. Um, it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. 
boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. There he is, this is an extraordinary mission. Do you know what the last verse is? In, in, the, in Greek, it's not the last word in the English, but in the original Greek, the last word is the word, well, it's actually two words in English, without hindrance. Those are the two last verses of the book of Acts. Without hindrance. Without hindrance. Though that's the last word that Luke, the historian who wrote this book, wants to leave in our minds. As we finish the book of Acts and think, well, the mission goes on, there it is, proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is a literal translation of the Greek. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness, unhindered. That's it. Unhindered. That's not to say that the servants of Jesus won't be hindered or seem to be hindered. Yes, they will, repeatedly and often and very much. But Jesus himself is completely unhindered. And there is no force, power, authority in this universe, seen or unseen, that can gainsay, hinder, trip up, beach, destroy, blow off course, overcome Jesus. Unhindered. Let's take these two remarkable facts very seriously. The servants of Christ may be hindered and certainly feel that way and appear to be. But Jesus and his mission is never hindered. Why have I got the world in the background there? Well, it's because the mission is to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth, of course, does include um, far-flung countries, although we mustn't forget that we ourselves are a far-flung country from the origins of Christianity. And uh, we have missionaries, thankfully, coming to us from Africa. We look to the, the Africans a lot at the moment. We should do to revitalize Christianity in this country, um, other parts of the world, um, Southeast Asia particularly, sending people to the United Kingdom and to Europe to revitalize faith. We need it desperately. We are a more unreached part than many in terms of living gospel ministry. But there is a call for us to go to your workplace, your school, your friendship group. Actually, as far as spiritually speaking, that's the ends of the earth, probably. In terms of, have they heard of Jesus? Probably not. Well, there you go. You go too. And remember that even if you feel very hindered, Jesus is never hindered. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the mission of Jesus cannot fail to the ends of the earth. We pray for all the, those today who feel uh, very much hindered through all manner of difficulties uh, across the global mission of your church. We pray that you would give encouragement that nothing can hinder Jesus. We pray that you would fill us with this conviction. And so we would never be beaten down by the opposition of men and devils, in Wesley's words, but rather would press forward knowing that you have the authority as King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.